Hey, big boxers. Welcome to On the Shelf, a program that is dedicated to helping you get your products into a major big box retailer. Tim here with you as always, and hoping that you're having a great week. You're getting after it. You're killing it. I hope that uh, each and every one of you is making measured progress towards your goal. Have a great conversation for you today. I'm excited to bring you another chapter in the whole Make 48 saga. And the reason I call it a saga is because we've talked about Make 48 several different times on the podcast. We actually did two different interviews with two of the founders of the Make 48 program. If you haven't listened to those podcasts, I would recommend you stop and you go back and listen to Tom Gray and Rich Broll because they're going to give you an in-depth look at what Make 48 is, how it came to be, and what it's all about. That's going to give you a better understanding of what you're about to hear because we have some contestants on the program. That's right. They're going to explain the process. They're going to explain the pressure. They're going to explain how you produce and come up with design and create a product in just 48 hours. I really enjoyed talking to the four contestants, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about how it all came to be. The four contestants, uh, the name of their group, if you will, is called DAD, Dads and Daughters. And it all started, and this is really kind of a cool story, and it gives a great example of what happens when you just make an introduction. You just take the time to say, hey, would you like to meet this person? So let's go back just a little bit. Earlier last year in 2017, Joe Tarnowski, and I know you know Joe because he's a panelist on our Flash Topic podcast. Joe at an ECRM session here in Orlando, and he had somebody at the session. His name was Tom Gray, and Tom was a co-founder of the program Make 48. Joe called me up and said, hey, would you like to come down and interview Tom for your podcast? That sounded like a great opportunity to me making products in 48 hours and getting them on the shelf. That's what we're all about. So I went down and met Tom and we had a great time. Uh, he's a great guy. And uh, after I met Tom and he was on the program, he introduced me to Rich Broll, who was one of his partners. I talked to Rich about more about Make 48 and then also about what they're learning from the process and, and the actual TV show and people producing products in 48 hours, you know, the good and the bad. That's a great interview as well. So be sure to go back and listen to both of those if you haven't already. So here we are. Tom was on the podcast. Rich was on the podcast. And then I have a listener. His name David McCutcheon. Now, David had already reached out to me several times because he's an inventor. He had a couple of things going on that he wanted my advice on. And so we'd already talked. And he's an avid listener of the podcast. And he heard both Tom and Rich on the show. And so he wanted to be on Make 48, but you need four people. So we went to his longtime friend, Eric Phelps, and Eric agreed, let's do it. They got their two daughters involved, which their daughters are very similar in age. And bam, dads and daughters was born. And they went and they auditioned for the show. And of course, as you can imagine, they made it on the show and they had an awesome time and produced an awesome product. But here's the cool thing. Joe thinking about me and thinking about people for my podcast said, Hey, do you want to meet Tom? So I did. David is a listener of the podcast. He hears Tom and he decides, Hey, let's be on make 48. He gets a group together, including their daughters and they audition and they get on. They actually get on and they produce a product. That product is going to get on the shelves of major retailers. They now own the patent on that product. So because Joe was thinking about me and made that introduction, David and his team now own a product with patents that's going to be on the shelves of major retailers. Now, the daughters are just starting out in college, okay, but they already are patent owners. How great of a circle is that? So think about it. What introductions can you make? What selfless introductions can you make? Joe's not going to get anything out of this. He just wanted to help out the podcast. And so, Joe, as I've already said, many thanks. Now, I'm not going to tell you how they did. I'm going to let them do that. I'm not going to even tell you what their product is because I'm going to let them tell you all about it. So if you're ready, let's get right into it. All right. Well, welcome to T 
Team DAD from the famous show Make 48. Hey, everybody. How are you? Good. Hello. Hello. So, Big Boxers, we have four people on the podcast uh, today, and they make up Team uh, DAD, and that stands for Dads and Daughters. And uh, I know that you all have heard me before because we've had uh, several people, Tom Gray and uh, Rich Brawl on the show from Make 48. And so even I think we had Tom on the podcast back when it was just rolling out. And I think, uh, David, that that's probably the podcast that you heard, right? That's right. I think you were at the National Hardware Show. No, we were at an ECRM event and uh, David was there. No, you're David. Sorry. Uh, Tom was there working with uh, the folks at ECRM to see how they could collaborate because ECRM puts a lot of people together with retail buyers. So actually, we were on site there. That was, I think that was actually one of the very first on-site interviews I had ever done. So, But uh, yeah, it was a popular podcast. And that's really, I think that's what you heard that kind of put the bug in your ear, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, my wife has a rule about my inventing, and that is as long as it doesn't cost any money, I'm allowed to do it. So so you I, spend money in secret then? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, Tom was like, yeah, you can send in an application for free. And, you know, if you get picked, it uh, wasn't free. We had to fly out there and, uh, you know, stay in a hotel. But it was, you know, since we were going to be in a competition, she was okay with it. All right. Well, listen, so break this down for me and the big box listeners that are listening. So you hear the podcast and you do what? Like you go to Eric or your daughter and you say, like, how did it all... By the way, big boxers, if you're not getting this, we have two gentlemen and their daughters that make up dads and daughters, which was their team on Make 48. But you know, how did you like bust that out and say, hey, I think we should go for this show. I mean, how did that happen? So uh, this is Eric. Uh, Maria and I were pinch hitters. Actually, David Abayo's brother, who was a marketer at Geico, but his brother just started a new career as a teacher, just like Dave. So he wasn't able to get off. So fortunately for all involved, uh, he came, brought us into it, and uh, we decided to go for it, made a trip to Kansas City and join the competition. And the fun part is that the girls have been friends since they were two. So I mean, this is a long time friendship and Really, everybody was getting along on the team except for Eric and me. Yeah, other than that, it was smooth. So, Maria, what was the first that you heard of this? And were you skeptical? Yeah, my dad kind of just laid out the plan. I don't recall his question. <laughs> it was more of a, we're going. And I was like, all right, sounds good. And Brent and I were both pretty, pretty unaware. We didn't really know what we were could expect. We didn't know what to expect at all. We kind of just went into it, you know, just we're going to have some fun. And we did have fun. So it ended up being a really cool experience that we definitely never would have taken on ourselves if we hadn't been asked by our dad. So really glad we did it. But definitely very unexpected. Nice. So, Bryn, do you remember it that way? Pretty free, carefree and, and all that? Or do you remember it differently? Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I remember, you know, yeah, that originally my dad had asked him, yeah, me and my uncle. And, and honestly, when he was making the video, I didn't think, you know, I thought, okay, he's sending it in. We probably won't be picked. You know, what are the chances of us actually getting to do this? And so uh, when we found out that four of us would actually get to go, I think, yeah, like Maria said, didn't really know what to expect. But um, I was pleasantly surprised, I guess you could say, that we actually ended up uh, being part of the competition. Nice. And so was there anybody that was camera shy? So I think it's funny. You watch reality shows and you say, how could they say that in front of a camera? And so at first, when you, you have all the cameras in your face, you can just you feel awkward uh, in front of them and you feel like every word is being captured and you know, do I have a funny face or, you know. But after probably several hours, you just start to ignore them. And you can tell watching the show that you can see start to loosen up as the show goes on. Uh, so. I think the, the adapting to it, and then eventually you're so tired from working so hard on it that you just don't care and you just get silly. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's the thing. You're so involved in the task and it's so intense, you know, and we were really focused the whole time that uh, the cameras were almost like, okay, that's fine, do whatever you want to do, but we've got our job to do brainstorming or we'll work on our prototype. And uh, so that was secondary. Okay. All right, well, let's back up just a little bit because I'm sure that there's some big boxers that have not gone back and listened to the Make 48 podcast. Shame on you guys. Do that definitely right after you get off of this podcast. But 
who wants to break down? So Make 48 is a, for those of you who don't know, it's a TV show. It's a reality TV show. So who wants to break down the show, kind of what it's all about and why do people go on there? Who wants to take that on? There, I'll start. So the competition is, is kind of a combination of the shows where you have to make a dress in you know, 48 hours and you run and get supplies and make the dress. And then also like a shark tank where you have to pitch an idea. So you, know, you get 48 hours from the point where they announce a category to come up with your idea, get the supplies from Ace Hardware, come back, make it. And there's other parts of the video. I'll let Robert and Maria talk about the video and then pitch it in front of the audience. So it's combining all those factors and, and only having 48 hours to do it. I mean, that includes building a prototype. So it's it's a lot to do in a short amount of time. But fortunately, they have tool techs, which are the folks who have expertise in welding or cutting wood, you know, shaping things, making prototypes out of 3D printing. So you've got a lot of folks to help you get stuff done in that period of time. So you guys get there, you get in your group, they have a category that they want you to focus on. They give you that category. And then immediately you guys as a group, as Team DAD, have to come up with the idea, the thing that you're going to make, the product, right? Yeah. And they're, part of their philosophy or, or the way that the competition works is you don't have to have, you don't have to come in with any building skills at all. So it's really about the idea. What kind of idea can you come up with? And you know, that's, that's what Eric was talking about, tool text. You know, they will, uh, they'll help you from there. And that's, I think, probably the hardest part because think of something creative and, and new. I mean, it's really have to think outside the box and think of something that's never been thought of before. Once you go to them, you, know, you can explain it and they, they can make it. Okay. Well, that's handy. That's what I always say when we're watching some HGTV show when a yard comes together in what seems to be like 15 minutes. And uh, we always look at each other. Well, hey, we had contractors and we had people bringing in plants. And I mean, yeah, it can it seem easier. So cool. Very handy that you have guys and people that can help you make it. But let me ask you, you know, David, you and I first met. You had this little invention idea for vacuum cleaner. And I got the idea you'd been thinking about that for a really long time, right? I mean, it had been on your mind and like you've been thinking about it for some time, right? Yeah, I've been doing this for a couple of years. And like I said, uh, my wife, I'm a full-time teacher, career teacher. And I've been doing this for fun, thinking about things outside the box and basically trying to submit ideas for licensing. But I did have this little vacuum cleaner and you can see them at uh, canisterclips.com. I actually was able to make some and put them up for sale. I sold, besides friends and family, I sold a total of one, <laughs> one package. It's a great idea. You, you it's off the out. ground, man. It's off yeah. the ground. No, but the reason I was asking is yeah. because, nice shameless plug, by the way. That's uh, too. Right. <laughs> The reason I was asking is because generally when people come to me and they have an idea or they have a product, it has been this long toil of thinking and process. And here you guys get a category. You actually have to come up with a product, get it produced, and pitch it all inside of 48 hours. I mean, how does that contrast with the long time thinking about a product? I mean, how did you guys make that switch to we got to really come up with a product. Brian, why don't you answer that? Why don't you weigh in here and say, what was that process like, that initial brainstorming process? Well, I would say uh, one, of the, one of the things that we actually had practiced beforehand was some different like techniques of you know, initial brainstorming and then discussing. And I think, yeah, like, the first thing we did was we all sat down and just wrote down problems or things that we wish were better when you know when we're outside um, the category was outdoor entertainment um so then once we had that we sort of looked at ways to fix the problem and i think that it was a very we just sort of had to go with instinct uh, we had several different ideas and ultimately it just came down to okay which one you know, do we think is best we didn't really have the opportunity to uh explore anything too deeply but i think you know yeah i can attest that yeah for my dad's other inventions he really spends hours and hours out in our garage tinkering around. So I think that's definitely one of the challenges was just having to pick an idea and go with it and not really know if it was going to work or if it was going to come out right. But I think, yeah, we're, we're lucky that it ended up being so successful because that was definitely challenging. Nice. Maria, was the brainstorming session pretty congenial or was there shouting? 
I don't think at that point there was really much tension. Everyone was just kind of throwing around ideas. I think tension built a little bit later when things were getting more intense time-wise. But no, I think we all just kind of shared our ideas, kind of like bounced off each other and built on them. It definitely wasn't one single idea. It was a lot of work put into different ideas, putting them together and kind of thinking of different things to add or take away. But it was definitely an interesting experience to have with our dad. I think that relationship that we all have with each other, being really close family friends, definitely made it much more of an easy process. Okay. I like how you started the beginning of your sentence with, at the beginning, there wasn't much tension. (laughs) I like that. We're going to get into that later. No. All right. So you guys are brainstorming. Eric, how many ideas did it really come down to? So like Brent said, we started brainstorming problems. So. For example, when you're around a fire and the smoke blows in your eyes, you know, can you fix that? Or yeah, can you? Because that would yeah. totally, well, totally buy that. One of the other teams tried to tackle that. So as you watch the show, you'll see what they did and how they were able to, to try and hit that. So what, that was interesting too. Because several of the problems we brainstormed, other teams picked happened to work. So, but some of the ideas like bees getting in your food or, or in your drinks, or you name it. So. And then we ended up with a few ideas. One of the goofier ones that I was advocating for was some beach umbrella that it would sense where the sun is. And then, you know, you would put it in the ground with some sort of stake thing, and then it would move as the sun moved. Anyway, that one got discarded, thankfully. (laughs) (laughs) And then we kind of narrowed it. And then they have folks rotating around some of the tool techs, the guys, Bob and Rich, and they're wandering around talking to you and, and just talking with them and once you say it out loud and talk through it, you can kind of realize, boy, that sounds dumb, or hey, this is promising. And they give you feedback, and eventually we went with it. And it's funny, because I, I think initially when we had the idea, I think they all were kind of like, huh, I don't know if everyone could quite picture it. The paper that you use to brainstorm, we used that and kept flopping that around to explain our product. And I think half of them were like, what are these guys doing? But you know, it took a little while to form. And then eventually, near the end, I kind of realized, wow, this is really a quality product. This is a great idea. David, was there a product that you were advocating for that before you guys all landed on the final product? I mean, I don't think so. It wasn't really... That wasn't competitive among us. I mean, we were... That's where I think the collaboration really... And because a lot of the inventing that I've done in the past has been me by myself, you know, like Brent said, in the garage. But it was really a lot better because all four of us... You know, and, and uh, Rin likes to point out that the Phelps love the beach and, you know, the McCutcheons love uh, the mountains. And so it really we put all of our ideas. So and that made a big difference. I guess if I'm going to go on vacation with one of the other of your families, I'll have to go the beach direction. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we just... Uh, yeah, side note, so for the Phelps, you know, McCutcheons, you guys don't like the beach as much. But yeah, we were just down at the beach for a week and uh, we came across, like two in the morning, we came across a nest of baby sea turtles that had hatched. And uh, they were struggling because uh, that day or just in the evening had brought in seaweed and it was like three feet high and maybe three yards deep into the beach and they simply just could not get over it. And they were just, some of them had just basically stopped and they were just giving up. And so we dug this path through the seaweed and then we created this chain and uh, we saved like uh, 55 baby sea turtles that night. And uh, I don't know, it was probably, I'm a huge sea turtle fan. So it was probably one of the highlights I think of my life. I have some pictures of, at one point there were so many that we just had like three and four in our hands at a time trying to get them down to the water. I'm sure the predators in the ocean were really happy about your problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why do you got to go there? Why do you have to, do you, have to do like that? you see, it starts smoothly. <laughs> so my response to that is, interestingly enough, as we were going back inside, maybe I think it was maybe like three in the morning or so, the tide had come in and it was really starting in big, huge chunks to pull all this seaweed back out into the water. So the way I look at it is, it pulled the seaweed back out there and gave them cover, and every wow. single one of them survived. So that's the way I'm going to think about it. And uh, but thanks, for, yeah, but thanks for talking about the predators. At least it wasn't the birds in the morning. Anyway, that's a total side tangent. Back to you guys. All right, so you guys, I think it's time we unveil. So you guys come up upon a product. Before we say what the product is, what does it solve? 
That was the big question. People kept asking us that, and that almost killed it. Because <laughs> we at them. They have the, the mentors. I don't think we mentioned the mentors, but uh, uh, Joanne from the Gromit and Josh from Bunch of Balloons were mentors, and, and like Eric said, Bob and, and Rich walk around. And, what problem are you solving? And, <laughs> so I, I think the one of the problems we had was trying to carry all this stuff. So you need an umbrella for shade and you want your chair and, and towel and chairs, beach chairs, the ones that exist now. You know, they don't fold up very well because they're sticking out. And so trying to carry all that stuff, we felt like, wow, if we had a product that would be both an umbrella and a chair and it's easier to carry, that uh, was easier to transport in a car, that that would make it, that would be something of interest. So that, that's kind of the, where we sort of ended up in terms of a problem, one of the problems we've identified. So a umbrella chair, so to speak, that's poor. Yeah, but more elegant, and we'd like to think. You know, if you've ever seen the chair umbrellas that exist now, it basically is a chair with an umbrella stuck in the arm and trying to carry that thing around and actually getting the sheet is a problem. The other thing that was interesting is after we built made the product, other folks who were circling saw different problems that it solved that we hadn't thought of. And one was reclining on a hill. So if you're at an outdoor concert, you know, your typical chair, you try and set it up on a hill. If you're sitting up high, you're off balance and you're blocking people. If you're on a blanket, that gets uncomfortable if you've ever done an outdoor show. So our uh, solution, our product works really well in, in that environment. And that's something we hadn't thought of until, until one of the folks wandering around when the judges brought that to our attention. Nice. So you have a, a multi-use chair that folds up that's that you can sit in and it has a top on it so that it can give you some shade. You guys had to name this thing. Who came up with the name? I think that would have been me. Yeah. Because I, I, we, we kept calling it uh, the wedge chair. The wedge chair is how they were describing it to people. So people calling it, you know, when we were trying to explain it to the mentors and these other people, we kept calling it the wedge chair. And I don't remember the exact moment that it happened. I think I, uh, I called it the wedgie. And that's how we ended up with the name. And at first, it, it seemed, you know, obviously very silly and fun. But I think it really ended up being a uh, powerful branding tool. I think people really remembered it. And then people really loved that. So yeah, well, I think that uh, I think if you can get a Hey, big boxers, just a quick announcement from TLB Consulting. Are you looking to scale your business this year? Are you looking to get your products on the shelf of a retailer this year? Well, guess what? Booking a coaching call with me has never been easier. I know based on the past 10 years of working with clients that it can be difficult to be a solopreneur. It can be difficult to scale your business into territory that you've never been to. That's why I have opened up more slots this year than I've ever done before. One of my goals this year is to work with more clients, more solopreneurs, more big boxers looking to get their products into retail than ever before. I wanna work directly with you and share my experiences over the last 25 years of getting products into retail. I wanna share those experiences with you. I wanna talk to you from a place of somebody who's been there and I wanna help you get to where I've gone. Like I said, it's never been easier. All you have to do is go to tlbconsulting.com, click on consulting, and then choose the time or the bundle that you want and get it scheduled. Let's kick off 2020 with a bang. Let's get you the information that you need. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Name that people that resonates with people and that they remember, that's key. So your invention is your chair umbrella and it's called the wedgie. Where are we at with this wedgie chair at this moment? So well, let me... And this goes back to your, uh, this is David, this goes back to your question before about process and, and for people out there who are inventing. So did we mention where we placed yet? Are we not there yet? No, we're not, not there. No, 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 we're not, we're not there yet. Hold okay. on now. We're going to get there. Okay. So where are we? Well, this, this might be a little premature, this question. So, I mean, it is one of the products that's being produced. 
the first five episodes are the competition part. And then the second, I think season two is going to be the second five episodes are the products being made. So getting to your question from before, the 48 hours was obviously very quick and very intense. But other than that, I mean, that's one thing I've learned with inventing is it is slow, slow, slow. It takes a long time. So we had one prototype made and that took six months at least. Uh, after the show, yeah, in yes. several months. Yeah. So, and then we're now. I mean, we've, you know, we were told a week ago we're waiting for the second prototype. Prototypes are made in China, and so we haven't seen the second prototype. We haven't gotten any updates other than we're waiting to hear, you know, what they come back with. So it has been. It really is a long process after the initial phase. And I think it's one thing about the Make 48 that's great. You can do so many iterations with all the tool texts. And, and that's really where you can improve the product. Once we got out, it's like you're waiting several months to get one iteration. And then you realize, wow, these, these are the design issues. I think part of your question was, you know, you're calling it the wedge chair or umbrella chair. I think we settled on a three-in-one lounger. Uh, and so because it it's similar to a wedge shape, and now there's been some evolution. But if you think about a simple triangle or wedge shape, when you lay it on one end, it's more of a lounger. When you sit it up, it's more of a recliner that you can then flip a cushion over and serve as a, as a, sheet, as a sunshade. But then you can open it all the way up and it's like a cot. It's a, or you can lay out it on like a long towel. So it's kind of those three different positions and then all the different uses uh, with those positions that kind of made the product unique allowed us, you know, when they did the patent search, they didn't see a product quite like that. And a lot of folks like the versatility of it. So, and the fact that it folds flat because it doesn't have legs, uh, the initial prototype would fold flat. And so that was a feature we wanted to keep as we went through future iterations, because you think about regular chairs, when you try and stack them, uh, it doesn't work very well in the back of a car, but with really, you know, flat ones that are only a couple inches thick, it's easy to stack them and still have room for other stuff. I mean, that's, and that's something, here's a plug. I mean, that's something I learned about hearing, you know, listening to on the shelf is, you know, you've got to think about if you're going to get into Costco, it's going to be sitting there in a pallet. It's going to have to be, you know, packaged in a box. And so that was one of the real attractions was, you know, this does not take on the shelf. It does not take up as much space. It's three inches thick and, you know, it's going to be much more efficient for, out there. Right. Well, well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you have to decide who your customer is and you got to figure out where those people shop. And then you got to figure out how those that company merchandises and does that product fit into that way. So just the fact that you guys went down there and you created a product out of nothing and you did it all in 48 hours and you came out with an actual product. I mean, irrespective of where you might fall in the overall contest, that's a pretty big accomplishment. Yeah, I guess when you think about it, so a funny story, and I'll let the girls chime in about, you know, they have all these tool techs, but they were lacking one key skill that uh, Bryn had shipped in on. So maybe Bryn, you can talk about the skill you had to apply and, and uh, how it was help, help us make our product. Well, yeah, I would just say that was uh, one of the, when we realized we welded the frame initially, um, and there was uh, an amazing tool tech who helped us with that, because obviously none of us are pro welders. But then, yeah, when we were trying to create a working prototype, essentially, we realized we were going to need to somehow uh, upholster this chair that we were creating. And so we went to, it was Michael's or Joanne Fabrics or somewhere like that. Uh, yeah, to say we actually got a bunch of fabric and I have some very limited uh, sewing knowledge. So I began to sew the sort of cover on this chair so that you could actually sit in it. And luckily, uh, once me and Maria were both kind of burnt out and went back there. One of the tool techs, uh, wives who was volunteering actually also helped because it was a lot of sewing. Cause you know, that once the frame was welded, we then had to complete, uh, all that. So there was a working prototype. So to say that was, uh, definitely helped me get better as a seamstress. That was, a uh, yeah, something I did not have to expect to do, but I think, yeah, our prototype actually ended up being somewhat functional, even though, you know, we threw it together in 48 hours. So. Nice. Yeah, Dave and I had to, uh, I think it was 3 a.m. on one of the nights. Yeah. And, you know, we have our limited home ex skills from seventh grade, hand sewing the stuff. And we wanted to put two simple, 
I guess not strap pockets. Like, pockets that we could put like a dowel in to hold the sunshade up when you flipped it around. And Dave's like, this is gonna take us half an hour. I'm like, no, we can do it right there. At 3 30 a.m. We're still trying to sew these two little flaps. And uh, and we finally stand it up and magically it was level. I don't know how it happened, but we, we set it up and, and you went home. And luckily this isn't like your reality show where People are sabotaging each other's stuff. I mean, the folks who participated were all really helping each other. And, and it was just a very collegial environment. And we were able to leave our chair, you know, sitting there up in a very precarious position and not have to worry about someone coming in and doing some silly reality show thing and messing it up. So it, that's another thing I wanted to point out. Just the environment of the show is great. Those guys do a great job creating just a positive environment. Where, and they're very focused on the inventing process. And now I'm trying to make compelling television that through some sort of antics. Well, that's good to hear. It's always nice when uh, there's enough room for everybody to be successful. So tell us how it all, you guys did your pitch. How did the pitch, the actual pitch go? And who was the lead pitch person? I think we passed the baton over to my dad, Eric, because you know, he's had some more business experience than the rest of us. So he kind of did the pitch, and we took that over, and Bryn and I, I believe, were in charge of kind of flipping around the prototype to show exactly what it was supposed to do. It wasn't exactly the most functional at that time. It was still a little bit choppy and hard to move. But yeah, we were in charge of more modeling and kind of showing the product, and my dad took over the top. Nice. So Eric, how did the pitch go? You know, it went amazingly well. I, we rehearsed it because the chair... At the time, the sorry, the three three way lounger, I guess uh, we don't call it chair wedgie. Three in one lounger, the wedgie. It had cushions and the fabric on all three sides, two cushions, and it was hard to tell what folded to wear. And so we practiced folding it to make it smooth because if you didn't fold it out right, you got confused. And, and so we practiced that. We practiced with Bren and Maria on opposite sides of the stage, and we'd flip it one way and hold the sunshade, and Bren would lay in, and then Maria would flip around. So. We had it down really well so that when we got on stage, yeah, it would be smooth. And it was because of the product itself. We really had to concentrate on making it look easy to use because at the time, that prototype was a little tricky. <laughs> Since then, uh, we made adjustments, not just to improve the solve some of the challenges, design challenges that became apparent, but also to make it easier for the person who buys and uses the chair to understand how to put it in the different configurations. I think also at that point, the chair was a little bit, sorry, the wedgie was a little bit more beat up <laughs> just because we had been opening it, closing it, showing it, putting it everywhere. And so we were a little bit afraid that with our lack of sewing abilities, something would rip or, I don't know, break at some point. So we had to be very gentle with our demonstration of how to use it. That was a little bit scary. I was kind of afraid that we would just rip right through my horrible stitches <laughs> that were just crisscrossed all over the place. But luckily, that did not happen. Wow, what a great experience. And I think that uh, I want to hear each one of you, uh, your thoughts on maybe one or two things that you learned. But what you guys did and what you guys went through can be applied to so many different aspects, especially in business, there's so many times where you have to get together, you don't have a lot of time, you got to come up with a solution, you got to brainstorm it out. And the fact that you guys have already been through that successfully is pretty awesome. And I think we'll go a long way. So how did it turn out? I mean, where did you guys place? Well, let me pitch in one more thing about the uh, presentation, uh, David, because when we were up there on the stage, we at the last day, Sunday, we've broken up our different tasks. And Brenda Maria had the task of creating the video. And at this point, uh, people would have, been, would have been able to see the video. And I think the video was really kind of the hit of the show. And Eric and I hadn't seen it. We had sort of explained to the girls, here's what you, you know, here's what we're thinking. Or, you know, we talked about it together. And they went off and we went up on the stage and we did our manipulation. And then they played this video. And Eric and I were just like beaming with pride because we couldn't believe the incredible job the girls had done. Yeah, we, so, we had not even seen the video until they put it in front yeah. of the 150 people. So, and they just, yeah, I mean, we were just blown away by what was done. And yeah, I mean, it was so, it was funny. It had jokes in it. Uh, and so, yeah, when folks see the video, I mean, I think that was a huge part of the presentation and what allowed us to, and I guess to answer your question, to win the competition. Yeah. So, there, 
of the 12 states, uh, the teams from the 12 different states that entered, uh, the top three receive uh, licensing deals. And we were looking around, and there were a couple of products we really liked, and one of them got third, and the other got second. And I'm looking around going, oh, my God, we might actually win this thing. And, uh, you know, when they announced us, we jumped up, and Dave cried tears of joy. <laughs> Some of the tool techs yeah. were crying. I mean, it was amazing. I think, you know, the whole story of the dads and daughters really touched a lot of the, the Make 48 staff. And, I mean, you'll see it when it's announced. But, yeah, there were tears around the room. Uh, and it was just incredible. And after you're that tired and you've worked that hard, you know, you're just so much emotion and you've exet- expended so much energy that it's just a great release. And it was just a great feeling to go up there and, and claim first place. First place. Well, congratulations, you guys. I don't know if I... Oh, you know what? You guys couldn't tell me. That's why when we when we yeah. saw each other at the hardware show, you weren't able to tell me what happened. So I'm hearing for the first time, I have tears of joy myself. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, how did I not know that you guys got first? And then it dawned on me that you couldn't tell me before then. So, wow, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it was with the tears of joy. You hear them announce third, you hear them announce second, and you're like, okay, your chances are dwindling with each one. So it's all or nothing at that point. So it was, uh, you know, it did feel really good. And like I said, I think a lot of it was the story with the, the girls producing the video. And it was, I mean, it had the whole crowd just, just laughing, you know, clapping at the end. So I think Brynn and I actually thought it was pretty funny how impressed all the adults were. <laughs> yeah. By this little 30 second video <laughs> that I think we cut together on iMovie in about half an hour. <laughs> and on iPhone. Uh, yes. Nonetheless, it was not a very large production at all. And we, in our days of Magnet High School program, we have done many a documentary. Oh, yes. Uh, the documentary pro over there. And this is not that at all. But I'm glad I enjoyed it. <laughs> Yeah, see, it's it's so easy when you know what you're doing, right? I mean, right. I think we were down to two hours before the 48 was up. And they were like, okay, we're going to go do this. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, we get one hour. And, and, I mean, yeah, it was, they hit the deadline with time to spare. And but it, yeah, I think, it was great. Uh, you know, I think all those contributions kind of sealed, sealed the win. Yes, I don't think any of us could have predicted how well the pitch went. I think, yeah, all the different pieces definitely came together. And I think all of it combined to just really sell it. And I think the judges and the audience all really sort of saw finally what our product was. So That's awesome. And it's you guys hit on something that's really key, actually. And in fact, I have a podcast coming out tomorrow. The title of it, it's really a question and answer podcast. But the title of it is, Does Your Story Matter? And uh, it's all based on a question that was asked by a listener who normally starts her pitch off with her story. And one buyer was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get past that and get to the real deal. And she ended up selling that buyer. But her question to me was, should I stop telling my story? And I said, absolutely not. You can't let one buyer that doesn't want to hear your story you know, stop you from telling it to hundreds of other people. And today... The story is a huge part of why people get engaged. You know, buying is emotional. So the more people can identify with what you're doing and how you're doing it and how it all came about and the struggles and how it made you closer and the whole story behind it, I think it really matters. And it's one thing, retailers can go get products from anywhere. It's not like it was years ago when they relied on people like us to bring them cool products. Now they can just go to Alibaba or Canton Fair, wherever they want to find cool products. But what they can't get, what they always want, and I've said it a million times, is they can't get your company. They can't duplicate that. They can't get your followers. They can't get the people that are interested and follow you on social. And they can't get your story. Those are things that they can never get. And so they're looking for those things. Retail buyers are looking for a good story, a good company behind it. So I think that uh, based on the fact that that was a big part of your pitch just lends itself to the fact that it will at some point also be a good part in how you resonate this with buyers. That's good insight. Thanks for sharing. (laughs) Yeah, of course. So, all right. So now you guys are on the other side and you alluded to the fact that it's a slugfest to get a product produced and you guys are still in that part. I mean, I saw your prototype when we were at the hardware show. 
Speak a little bit, we're going to wrap up here in a minute, but speak a little bit to the pitfalls of production. There's a lot of big boxers out there that are producing products and it's hard. And so what have you guys learned and and what advice would you give to people that are in that production part of the process? For me, I guess one of the things that we weren't able to do that much was the product testing and getting an idea of how people feel about it. So we made some changes, like Eric was saying. And we just don't know how people to react. I mean, the, the revised wedgie is different. I wish we had had an opportunity to, I, I don't exactly know. I mean, you know, you knew better than we do, but how do you do the, the testing to see how people feel about things? So that's definitely one issue. And the other issue is, I guess, for me, it's just, you know, we talked a little before about that whole process of, getting the prototypes made and it taking so long. And the first prototype came in. I mean, we should mention it, you can see it on the TV. You know, they did not order the prototype in black fabric. They didn't want a beach chair in black fabric, but that's what came in. And that's what we had to you know, go to the hardware show. People are looking at us like, you, you have a beach chair that's got black fabric. I don't want to sit on that. So we definitely did not order it, but that's what came in. And this is what we got. We've got to run with this. So you know, I definitely feel for those people who are trying to get things done with factories overseas. So I guess you know, a quality, reliable supplier makes a really big difference. And I would add, as you're going through, we're trying to solve design problems with the, with the product that emerge once you actually have it and you sit on it and you, you know, you're like, wow, this, this is a problem here. This is wearing out. I didn't expect that. But every time you saw it, try and solve a design challenge, you could add new ones. And because the product is not something we can easily iterate here without all of our tool techs, it's hard to account for those changes and the, the ripple effects. So that lack of ability to iterate really stretches things out. And then there's just design trade-offs, right? There's weight versus comfort. There's the ability to fold it up versus well, how much extra cost is it when you add new hinges? So, and some of those trade-offs require insight into, well, I don't know what the additional cost is when you add four more hinges, right? So it's very difficult to make the trade-offs for the product where the iteration cycle is, is really long. Yeah, that's some great insight. And I think focus groups are so easy to put together these days. Of course, on Make 48, you guys can't have focus groups. But for big boxers that are listening and might be in the beginning stages and they have several different iterations that they're thinking about and they want to get some advice beyond family and friends, I think it's pretty easy these days to put together some focus groups online and really get some some key feedback to what you're doing and what people like versus this or that. And then the other thing, and I've run into this a lot. I've had a lot of clients over the years who struggled with their prototypes and uh, because it takes a while to get it built and then it takes a while to get it shipped and then you get it and it's not right. And it's just like pulling your hair out. And at some point, you got to go there. I think you have to go there and be there with the factory while they're making some of these changes and just sit if you really want to save yourself some time. And then the last thing is, is when you're ready to produce, you have to go there again and watch the product come off the line and make sure it's right. Otherwise all kinds of crazy disastrous things can happen. But I've had a lot of clients that couldn't get it fixed until they actually went there. And once they went there, actually things come together pretty easy. And when you can be, you know, you think about you can only talk to each other off schedules when it's daytime, it's nighttime there, you have the whole time difference. And and then you have the whole that they have to try something and get back to you. But when you're there, you can make those conversations right on the spot and things can happen. And so it can get a lot, a lot faster. So I feel for you guys in that part because it can be super frustrating and time consuming. And, uh, but the finished product, when it's ready, all those things will have been worth it, I think. Yeah. And we're working through with the Make 48 folks, which on the one hand is really helpful because they have connections and contacts. Uh, Tom has a guy who's made a chair that had different capabilities, but he had great insights. But at the same time, we're working with them and through their folks. So in some ways, because of that, there's extra people in the loop and that always adds more time and energy to kind of get everyone on the same page. All right. Well, let's break it down. Brent, tell me, what do you think of the whole process? What is the one biggest takeaway that you have? Well, there have been so many. It's uh, hard to narrow it down. But I think one of the biggest ones that I've seen is collaborative work and communicating and having everybody's ideas 
is really such a valuable thing. Cause I mean, the wedgie sort of, uh, definitely was a collaborative process. I think all of us really contributed to the final idea. And I think that's definitely something in school and everywhere. That's definitely something I take with me. I would think that I would think that you would. Maria, what do you think is the biggest takeaway for you? I think one of the things that I found really cool was the fact that this group of four, with the exception of Mr. Dave, who had previous experience with this sort of thing, none of us had any any type of experience inventing <laughs> or this whole process. And I just think it's kind of cool that we came together and used our various talents and skills, although none including invention. And we won like against people who had really successful inventions in the past, people who are engineers, people who had done this and do this for a living. And I just think it's super cool that we could all come together with our various skills and make something pretty cool. That's some really great insight. All right, David, what do you think? Your biggest takeaway? The biggest thing to me is enjoying the process because Maybe you'll make money, maybe you won't make money. But uh, if you're not, it, it does take a long time, like you said. And if you're not enjoying it, you don't feel good about it, then you do something else. So that's my big takeaway. And Eric? Yeah, I think to add a bit on that, Dave and I came in knowing that this was a great experience with our daughters. We knew they were heading off to college in, you know, that year. And you know what we kept in the top of our mind, when, you know, instead of fighting over the invention, we always kept in the front of our mind that we would we would keep it fun and also avoid having fights with, <laughs> with the family and the daughters. So the focus was the experience. And I think winning was the icing on the case. In terms of what I took away, in addition to what Bryn, Maria, and Dave have said, is really what you can accomplish in 48 hours. Uh, you think that they gave you a category we didn't know about before we got there and where you end up. It's amazing how much can be, especially when you have the support of folks. Uh, to collaborate with. So yeah, that's the takeaway is, hey, you know, it's, it's amazing what can be accomplished in a short period of time when, when you get folks together and put their minds together. And right. I think when the zombie apocalypse hits, I'm going to come live with you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll be making up all these inventions to keep the zombies out. On. I'm going to come collaborate with you guys. Well, well, interesting enough, you know, all really great takeaways and different. Everybody saw it differently. Thanks so much, everybody, for sharing your story. So the program is currently airing. Am I right about that? Yeah, it's once a week for 10 weeks, I guess. Yeah, and depending on the market. So uh, with PBS, the different markets run at different times. So for example, Charlotte was running three days before uh, Washington, D.C. Maria is down at uh, University of North Carolina. So we found that out. But if you go to the Roku... You know, there's a PBS app, and I'm sure you can do it on PlayStation or other devices. And when you go there, if you search Make 48, one word, the episodes will pop up. So we were able to watch it before it even aired in the Washington, D.C. market by doing that. And so very accessible. It's online at pbs.org. And so it's, you know, they're posting the episodes every week now. And uh, that's probably an easy way to watch it, especially the way we consume media today and trying to get up early in the morning on Saturday morning when they're airing our show. No, but we'll put those uh, big boxers different ways that you can find and watch the episodes and the show notes. And we'll put some links to the product so that you can see it and maybe some images. And you know how we do it, you know, as much information as we can so that you guys can go and view that. But uh, guys, really great information. It's been a pleasure talking to all of you. I appreciate you guys sharing your experience. And uh, I'm so pumped that you guys got first place yeah. that makes it's even icing on the cake for me so um well done there and again thanks so much for being here thank you yeah thank you hey big boxers what a great show right i wasn't kidding you these are great people and i really think everybody contributed i really think that there wasn't one person on this team that was a lagger And I think it's a great dynamic for dads to get together with daughters and really do something fun and make something and have memories that will last a lifetime. And my hats are off to David, Eric, Bryn and Maria. Well done. Boom. You guys took home first place in season two. And man, you guys really deserve it. The wedgie is going to be epic. All right, guys, 
I'm interested to know what you guys thought. I'm interested to know if you would ever want to be on Make 48. Sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? And uh, it sounds like the team had a really good time. Come to ontheshelfnow.com. Leave some comments for the team. Let them know what your thoughts are. Let us all know if you'd be interested in being on Make 48 and if that sounds like something that you would want to do. I look forward to the conversation. I look forward to you guys commenting. And I know that the team does as well. Hey, I have a couple of housekeeping things uh, before we sign off. The two episodes that I mentioned before, if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to them, are episode 114 and episode 86. So 114 was with Rich Broll and episode 86 was with Tom Gray. Now, if you want to know more or you want to see the episodes, you can always visit make48.com. And they have all the episodes on there. And they also tell you how you can watch it on actual cable television. So don't hesitate to go to make48.com. Check that out. And then, folks, if you want some more insight into the team and what their struggles were and how it all went, if you want to get to know them even better, you can go to inventiondad.com. That's David McCutcheon's blog site. And it is awesome. So you don't want to miss it. Now, I know that some of you may be driving and doing other things, cooking and what have you, so don't you worry. This is all going to be in the blog post on theshelfnow.com, so you don't have to write it down. You can always go there and bam, you can click right on it. So inventiondad.com, inventiondad.com, you're going to want to go check that out. David McCutcheon is giving a lot of information there, and you'll get to see some really great pics of the episodes. All right, guys, listen, if you're enjoying the podcast, like always, let us know. There are so many different ways that you can reach out to us now. We have our own Twitter account. So we have On The Shelf Now on Twitter. We have On The Shelf Now as a Facebook page. We have our On The Shelf Now closed group. So if you're not part of the closed group, go to Facebook On The Shelf Now, click on the group and hit join. That way you can have some additional conversation. If uh, you would go to our page on the shelf now on Facebook and like it. That way you'll be up to speed on what's going on and future guests and all that. If you would follow us on Twitter, that would be great. That's how you can support the podcast. That's how you can be part of the success of the podcast that you're listening to. Hey, I also want to know what's going on. What's going on with you? What's going on with your journey? What are you into? What roadblocks are you having? What do you want to talk about? Reach out to us. There's several different places that you can reach out to us on the On The Shelf Now website, ontheshelfnow.com. Go there and hit us up. I want to know what you're struggling with or the successes that you've had or a great buyer meeting that you just went to. I want to know it all. And uh, I'm sure that the other listeners do as well. Thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. I appreciate it. Until we speak again, look forward to seeing your products on the shelf. 